Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Jariah here with my co-host, my friend, Nick Braccia, here to break down UFC Fight Night 157, Andrade versus Zhang from Shenzhen, China. Nick, what are your thoughts on this card? It's not exactly full of riches. No, it's not. You know, and I'm kind of surprised. Here's why. This fight, like, I didn't know a lot about Shenzhen, China before this card, but a little wicking around tells me that this this is taking place in actually the biggest urban area in the world. This is in a massive spot with tons and tons of people. So I understand there's a lot of Chinese fighters on the card, but given the amount of people in this urban area, I'm surprised there's not a little more firepower. Yeah, I wonder if some of these Chinese fighters on the card, I wonder if that's the firepower that that kind of would work in that market. I feel like the UFC tends to uh, save all of their fighters from a certain region for the event in that region, rather than sacrificing some of their bigger names to main event it. Although we do have Jessica Andrade defending against a Chinese fighter in Li Zhang, who is probably the highest ranked Chinese fighter currently on the UFC roster. So as far as at least accomplishments, we've got probably about as good as it gets when it comes to Chinese fighters. Li Jinglang is probably one of the more well-known Chinese fighters as well when it comes to hardcore fans, at least of mixed yeah. martial arts. Uh, yeah, and, and look, it's not a great card. Let's not kid ourselves. There are a couple of notable prospects to talk about on this one. A couple of guys that I think we're going to figure out whether they're really prospects or not after this event. And we're going to get to see Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos, who is an excellent, excellent contender. Yeah, that's at, exciting. At welterweight, yeah. He's facing Li Jinglang, and, and he's a notable favorite, I think, for good reason. But this should be an interesting scrap. Zaleski should be fighting, I think, top eight opponents after this, if he can come away with a win here. I'm really looking forward to seeing him compete against some of the better welterweights in the world. Kaikara France, another serious prospect. Mofsad Evloev, an undefeated prospect from Russia. Definitely some names to talk about here, but I agree. It's lacking some firepower. It's lacking real name value. I think this is a card for only that Chinese market that you were talking about and hardcore fans of MMA. I'm not sure that anybody else would even know that there's a UFC event this weekend, Nick. Yeah, I think you're right. Hey, this is the sort of thing that Fight Pass was originally made for. Let's talk about this main event because Weili Zhang, against Tisha Torres, she looks strong. She certainly has skills. But frankly, beating Danielle Taylor, Jessica Aguiar, and extremely undersized for the weight class, Tisha Torres, who's on an 0-4 skid, like, for me, a title shot in a division as stacked as strawweight is, does not a title contender make. Yeah, I get the regional play. And from an odds perspective, you know, I'm seeing odds at minus 160, plus 164, so Zhang's not a deep, she's not a heavy dog here. No, she's no. considered she's considered a very live dog. And because Andrade is extremely strong, I got to believe that based on skills and the kind of opposition and adversity that Jessica Andrade's faced, she's going to tune this this lady up. What do you think? I mean, I'm definitely going to pick Andrade, but I have a lot of trepidation. I think that Wei Li Zhang is the more technical fighter overall. She's going to be the notably bigger girl. And I know that it takes more than that to beat Andrade. But I do think she'll have what it takes to counter her early, effectively. Not so sure that that's going to continue to happen. I mean, it's a similar prediction that I made for Jessica Andrade's last fight, in which she won the title against former champion Rose Namajunas. I expected Jessica to take over more and more as the fight wears on after looking, you know, after looking a step or two behind in the first round. It's often the case for her. She's not always the fastest girl, but she's certainly way stronger. She hits way harder than any other girl in the division. 
and I'm going to give her the edge. But I can see Weili Zhang doing well here. The thing is that Weili Zhang has given up some takedowns in her UFC career. And if you've given up takedowns to normal human beings, you're definitely going to get slammed by Jessica Andrade. Yes. Kind of I'm looking at it. And I think that would be really the big difference maker. I do question what kind of shape Andrade will be in cardio-wise after having traveled as far as she has all the way to China. This is essentially hometown territory for Weili Zhang. That could be a factor here, too. Crowd may be a factor in Wei Li's favor. But again, I'm going to go with Andraja's forward pressure, the serious power that she presents behind that pressure, right? You can back up all you want. It's tiring to keep backing up, Nick. Uh, at some point, her left hook, her right overhand is going to land. At some point, your butt's going to hit that fence. And at some point, she's going to pick you up overhead and slam you to the floor. She's the type of girl that can keep doing it time and time again throughout five rounds if she doesn't make you succumb to her heavy strikes or slams before that. I'm picking Jessica Andrade, but again, there's a lot to like about Wei Li Zhang. I think part of the reason that she is getting this title shot is because the women ranked above her, and Wei Li Zhang is ranked at number six. Rose Namajunas just lost to Jessica Andrade. Tatiana Suarez just had you know a ho-hum decision over Nina Ansaroff in which she didn't look so good in the third round. So UFC is not going to be keen to reward her on that. I also think the timing of this event happening in China worked out. Yan Jacek is probably due for a title shot, but she's going to need to win a fight or two at 115. And Claudia Gadelha, granted she recently came back with a win, needs a little more than just that win after the skit she had before. So Weili Zhang is the only streaking fighter besides Tatiana Suarez in the division. So it does kind of make sense in that way. I think it was either her or Tatiana. Uh, she's getting the title shot here. I'm picking Jessica Andrade. Yeah, and I, you're right, Andrade, Andrade's flight, if she's, Andrade trains out of Brazil still, right? Yeah, from what I understand, yes. Yeah, so if she's going from Brazil, that's about a full-day flight, easy. From Beijing, where she trains, Zhang has a, a like a three-and-a-half-hour flight. That's so basically, okay. it's like she's going to Miami from, from where we are in the Northeast, exactly. uh, versus us going to, like, Australia. Yep. So, yeah, it's a it's a big difference, but... um, You gotta wonder uh, how far out did Jessica Andrade travel out there. I'm not sure that her team is known for their strategy or, or their fight IQ or, or those little minute details like going out you know, a few weeks early to a foreign country that's on the other side of the globe. I don't know that they would do that, Nick. So again, I can see Jessica starting to tire if Weili Zhang is in the, the absolute shape of her life. Maybe Weili will have a chance late in the fight there uh, after especially having potentially won the first or, and or second rounds. So, I, again, I see a way for Whaley to win the fight, but I've got to go with the, the more powerful, more proven, more tested Jessica Andrade. Okay, I'm looking at Instagram posts to see when she was maybe in China. That's a good idea, actually. All right, six days ago she was in China. As of six days ago, yeah, there's no way that she's recovered. I travel to the West Coast, Nick, and I feel kind of odd for a couple of days. Anyway, we're both picking Andrade, but I mean, I'm mostly picking her because I don't think Zhang has been in there with world-class competition yet. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like our discussion about UFC 241 a couple of weeks ago. Costa hadn't beaten anyone of note, really, before Romero. Fedor never beat anyone before Noguera. Everyone gets that first big win. This could be Weili Zhang. She's got the technique. She's got the size. She's got a 19-1 record. She's got experience. And at least recently, she's been fighting some high-level competition. Uh, but yeah, you and I are on the same page. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I'm not, I'm not counting her out. Agreed. Again, this is one of the interesting fights on the card. The other it is. Thing it is one uh, of the only. Um, the next one's pretty interesting, though. Uh, yeah, Zaleski's yeah. been on fire, man. He hasn't. I think he's on like a 
what is he hasn't lost in like five years. This fight doesn't get him in the top ten. It may probably gets him a, a top like a ten a top fifteen contender for sure. Maybe like a top twelve contender. But I think he I think he wins big. I don't think this is going to be a great card for the Chinese fighters, to be honest. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. You favor Zaleski here big. Yeah, Zaleski tooled up Melender, and Melender's still a very, very talented guy. I would pick Melender over the Li Ji Lang. Zaleski Dos Santos is really is a high-level fighter. He's got excellent jiu-jitsu. On top of that, he's got this kind of funky boxing capoeira style. I think his background he lists as specifically capoeira. Uh, the guy's on a seven-fight winning streak. I mean, he's he's coming into this as a fairly heavy favorite for good reason, Nick. I, I definitely favor him. Li Jingyang, he's a tough guy. He's, he's a guy that sticks around. He's certainly not easy to finish. Neither guy has ever been knocked out. And, and Li Jingyang will have the support of that crowd. So if anything's going to give him motivation, if anything's going to give him a little bit of extra explosiveness, maybe a little bit of energy when he's tired, this is the place for it to happen. You got to go with Zaleski Del Santos, though. The guy has looked so good against his opposition in the last several years. Curtis Millender, he's the one that kind of exposed him. Vardamani, he actually had a little bit of trouble against in his last bout before he put him away. But Vardamani's a, a pretty solid grappler, from what I understand. Sean Strickland, he knocked him out with a spinning hill kick, Nick. Yes. Back, uh, 2018. That was super impressive. Max Griffin, Lyman Good, Keita Nakamura, Omari Ahmedov. Those were his wins before that. That's impressive, man. I think Zaleski Dos Santos is going to graduate to 22-5. and five. And look, an eight-fight winning streak, if he does walk away with this win here, I think that, at the very least, earns him a top seven, top eight opponent, Nick. I'm, I'm hoping to see him fight somebody that will stick around, somebody that will push him and somebody that will put him in a bad position. I feel like he hasn't had enough of that against a guy that can keep going that way. So very interested to see his career progress. Very, very interested in seeing him face truly elite competition. I'd love to see him fight a Dos Anjos. Anthony Pettis coming off of a loss uh, could, could work. Uh, Ponzinibbio is a little bit a little bit up there, but that would be an entertaining scrap. A lot of good potential matchups for him. I'd love to see him take a big step up in this division. Yeah, agreed. Next up, we've got Mark De La Rosa versus Kai Kara France. A matchup between a guy that's been kind of trying to get his feet under him in the UFC and Mark De La Rosa, who took a short notice bout against Tim Ilian in his UFC debut, lost that one. Got a couple of wins against Elias Garcia and Joe B. Sanchez. And then he lost to a pretty serious top 10 contender and Alex Perez in his last bout. Coming in here against Kaikara France, who has a record of 19-7, and seven, but most of those seven losses were uh, 2016 and before. He's on a seven-fight win streak here, including his last two in the UFC against Elias Garcia and Raul Limpaiva. Uh, I actually think both guys are fairly good fighters that he's already beaten, but let's face it, he's yet to truly, truly be tested and his last fight against Paiva, it was a split decision win, and I can certainly see making the argument for Paiva having won that fight. So I don't think it's an open and shut case, but I am going to give him the edge over Del Rosa. Del Rosa tends to kind of succumb to yes. either pressure or if somebody is more athletic than him. If you get a dominant position on him, if you show him that you can big brother him early on, it seems like he's basically mentally out of a fight. He doesn't look like he's not trying anymore but he's not trying hard anymore. It's almost like he's trying to show that he's attempting to do something about this uh, ass whooping that he's receiving. I expect Kaikar France's pressure and uh, offensive stand-up to come through here. Also, Kaikar France is pretty solid on the ground, and I know that's Mark De La Rosa's kind of strength. I can see Mark De La Rosa getting top position and, and winning around here, but I expect Kaikar France to out-hustle and out-push his way to a, a decision victory. 
I have exactly the same point of view uh, going into this fight. It's weird. Do you think that Mark De La Rosa and his wife, Montana De La Rosa, have the same kind? Who I've picked. I've picked them both before. But if, do you feel like they have the same kind of, like, um, overall strategic flaws? Well, yeah. It's, it, well, it seems like... Look, I'm not trying to invent that. I'm just, like, when you oh. started describing her loss, I mean, his, lo- his losses, I started thinking about the last fight where I picked her um, and she got beat. Um, I feel like she's been doing really well, Nick. Uh, hasn't it? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up her record here in a second. But they are both definitely ground fighters. Clearly, they spent a lot of time on their Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's clearly been the focus, and that's clearly clearly where both of their strengths lie. And yeah, she did lose against the Andrea Lee, and you picked her there. But Andrea Lee is a notably more rounded, more experienced, stronger, bigger girl, and she was on a four-fight win streak before that. Three of those in the UFC. In fact, she's got three submissions in the UFC. So I'd say Montana De La Rosa is doing a hell of a lot better than Mark De La Rosa. But Kaikara France hasn't fought anybody high level. And let's face it, seven men have figured out a way to beat Kaikara France before he entered the UFC. He's only got two wins in the UFC, and they're not exactly against top 10, top 10 competition, even though they're talented opponents. There's decent reason to invest a little bit of underdog money into Mark De La Rosa because he does have an excellent ground game. And Kaikara France, you know, he has looked human. Yeah, moments in his even UFC career. Uh, maybe he's a little bit too big of a favorite, Kaikara Francis, but uh, I still favor him to, to out-hustle and, and win here. Yeah, it, it looks like um, Montel de la Rosa, again, she's the more successful girl thus far in the UFC because she's been put to the fire a little bit less. Yeah, my main beef with Kaikara Francis is you need a bunch more knockouts than he has and quick knockouts to call yourself Don't Blink. You got to be just, that's a nickname that works for Justin Gagey, you know, if he wanted to do that. Well, I, I agree on the one hand. I feel like Don't Blink might be advice for his opponent, just as it might be advice for the for the audience. Don't Blink might be, if you blink, you're going to miss the fact that I'm quickly hitting you. He is a pretty fast guy from what I remember. But I, I will also say he's undefeated at 125, Nick. He's 6-0 since he moved down to this division. Maybe a lot of his troubles early in his career were because he was fighting at 135 or 145. And again, De La Rosa, five of his last seven wins have come by submission. So the guy has a specialty, to say the least. Kaikara France should have a big advantage standing up here. Next fight coming, we've got uh, Mosar Evelov. He's a Russian fighter taking on a Chinese competitor, Zheng Honglu. Hard to, yeah, this guy, it's his first UFC fight. He's fought, he fought Charles, I guess he fought uh, Crazy Horse Bennett. How he won, he won a corner stoppage in five seconds of the first round. That's fair. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to look up what happened there. I like Movsar's, uh I like his pedigree and his, his background. And, you know, I mean, frankly, just national sport and experience-wise, given the choice between a, an MMA match between a Russian fighter I know a little bit about and a Chinese fighter I know a little bit about, I'm going to pick the Russian fighter. Yeah, not only that. I mean, look, the odds are pretty lopsided here. I think that... Evlov is something like a... Oh, yeah. he's a. I said that before I remembered. He was a minus 600 favorite. Minus 600. There you go. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big favorite. I think Sh- uh, Sheng Hung Lu, by the way, you pronounced that brilliantly. He's something like a plus 450 underdog. So, yeah, odds are pretty lopsided. I actually think just by the looks of the matchup and, and if you just kind of look at their records, I mean, Lu may have more of a spotty record, but he is something like 10-1 and one in his last 11 fights. So Evlov is undefeated in his last 11 fights. So if you look at uh, if you look at the records in the last 11, they're not much different. And Evlov hasn't exactly been fighting the best of the best. So I do think the odds are a little bit too far apart here. 
I do favor Evlov. You have to. The guy really is talented. I do think he's something special. I also think he was brought up by M1. who were really looking to take care of him. But he showed at the very least in his UFC debut that he's got a serious talent for taking guys down, sucking them to the floor. And it seems like nobody so far that he's fought can do very much about it. And he works from top position, whether it be ground and pound, nothing too damaging, but whether it be ground and pound, but supreme control, Nick. He's been looking really good. I'm, I'm picking Evlo here with confidence, almost as much confidence as the odds <laughs> would suggest. We do have Yanan Wu, who's a Chinese fighter, going up against uh, the Japanese Mizuki Inoue. Now, from what I understand, Mizuki took this fight on about a month's notice, whereas Wu had about three months to prepare. Wu is a taller fighter of 5'8", Nick, 23 years old. She's a young lady, but she does have UFC experience, which I think for a lot of fighters can make all the difference. She beat Lauren Mueller by first-round submission, lost to Gina Mazzani by unanimous decision before that. That's why she's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Then we got Mizuki Inoue, who is making her UFC debut. She actually usually fights at a weight division below. Yeah, she's a straw weight. The height difference suggests the fact that these two girls are in different divisions. Uh, she has a lot of Invicta experience. Recently beat Vivian Pereira and lost to Virna Jandroba before that. I believe Virna's a, a pretty serious opponent, if I'm not mistaken. She's taking this fight on relatively short notice. She's a smaller girl. Now, she doesn't have to travel very far. Who do you favor in this one? This is a tough one to pick. I'm going to go with Wu fighting in her home country in this one at her at her natural weight versus the Japanese fighter coming in, who's current, you know, I see ranked number 26 strawweight worldwide. Nothing to sneeze at, and she's, she's beaten some impressive women. Anyway, I'm picking, I'm picking Wu. So that's the thing. This matchup, th- this matchup is... Wait, hang on, wait. Stan, ask me who I'm picking. Who are you picking? Wu! <laughs> that's funny obviously the advantages for Wu is that this is kind of a, a home country fight she's going to have the crowd on her side is coming off a UFC victory both of them are one and one in the last two but again Yanan Wu is coming off a UFC victory over Lauren Mueller who's a good fighter yeah. a good well-rounded fighter Mizuki in a way I think is overall more skilled but she is the smaller girl and she's taking it on 20 days, 29 days notice I'm, I'm giving the edge to in a way I, I could very well see Yanan Wu Catching her with something like a long kick from distance or uh, or with a submission like she did in her last bout, even off of her back. Because Mizuki Inoue will go for the occasional takedown. But I'm going to trust in anyway, like 29 days being enough notice. And, and I'm going to trust in her having a little bit more experience at 18 fights to take the win here. But I'm not at all confident in that one. Well, we'll see. Now we got a difference now. Uh, now we're on to the prelims. That's the end of the main card. So we're going to zip through the prelims here. We've got uh, Chinese fighter Kenan Song fighting uh, Derek Kranz, who came in against Vincente Luque on short notice. And the kid did his best, and uh, I believe at one point took Luque's back before, you know, mm-hmm. fighting more like a one, uh, number uh, 131 ranked welterweight <laughs> um, globally. Um, you know, interesting fight here, but I think, I think, I think Kranz has been brought in to lose, to lose to Song. Song's lost his last fight to Murano. He... He's, uh, I don't think either one of these guys is really, uh, you know, going anywhere beyond these these plus cards. I think, you know, Krantz did them a solid by coming in off the off the Luke card. I mean, to, to fill in on very short notice, um, he earned, uh, you know, earned a, earned a second UFC fight um, by virtue of of taking doing that. Taking the short notice first fight, right. taking the short notice fight. You know, not a lot of 
Uh, you know, he lost to Rich Clemente ten years ago. Lost to Dustin Poirier. I mean, he's been around, but he's a he's a you know he's a journeyman. It's not it's probably not going to happen for Derek Prance. Um and I don't ex- I don't expect him uh, to win to win this fight against uh, look, an opponent's a little bit younger um, fighting in his home country. What do you think? Yeah, this this is another pick'em fight, and the odds suggest that I think they're both minus one ten for this one. Derek Krantz at twenty four and eleven going up against Keenan Song, who's thirteen and four. Keenan Song has got two inches of height advantage, half an inch shorter reach than Krantz. Both of them are coming off of a loss, but Keenan Song is two and one in the UFC, whereas Krantz is own one. Here's the thing: Krantz has recently fought five rounds. And I like that he prepared for that. Even though he didn't win against Nakashima, I believe he was the LFA champion back in 2017. And outside of Nakashima and Vincente Luque, he's been undefeated in his last nine fights. I'm going to give it to Derek Krantz. Ah, I assume he just like walked into China like yesterday and probably isn't super prepared. But it is a three-round fight, and he had a full training camp for this one versus his last fight against Luque. And I know he kind of blew his load early, and if he does that here, he'll probably lose. But I'm, I'm going to go with him because he's been five rounds before. I just like that he went to a split decision with James Nakashima, who, who is you know not a fun fighter to watch, but he's a grinding, experienced, long-time LFA champion. Split decision with him is, is impressive enough. Vincente Luque, he looked good against at least for a moment or two. So I am giving it to Derek Krantz. We now have two points of differentiation and a bunch in literally two of the pick'em fights on the card. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Next up, Nick, we've got Anthony Hernandez, who was seen as a pretty serious prospect when he made his UFC debut against Marcus Perez going up here against Jun Young Park. Park is making his UFC debut and he's been on a little bit of a streak lately, but uh, he is the underdog here to Hernandez, who's got the UFC experience, who I believe going into his UFC debut was the favorite uh, up against Marcus Perez. Who do you have here, Nick? This one's a little bit tricky to call. He has a win over Ray Cooper the third, who beat Big Shields twice last year, right? That's pretty damn impressive. It, it is. Not a lot of people can claim that they've knocked out Jake Shields. Which one of these guys has the win? Park. Yeah, yeah. Park has a win over, over Ray Cooper the third a couple of years ago. The big story there was that Jake Shields had beat his dad. Oh, <laughs> like, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I actually so never heard of it. He was young and he hit hard. Uh, I'm glad I could teach you a little something about the mixed martial arts. Um, <laughs> so what is, let me look at the, let me check out best fight odds. What are the numbers for this one? Because that's probably going to. Hernandez is the favorite here, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Minus 185 to uh, plus 160. I, I'm, I got a feeling that, uh, that Jung Young Park's going to win this fight. Just a gut. I agree with your gut, Nick. I'm not sure why Hernandez is the favorite, honestly. Not that not that he should be the underdog. I think this should be a pick-up fight. Um, Hernandez walked into his UFC debut against a really tough guy and lost, which, you know, it's hard, it's hard to quantify where that is. I mean, the guy that he lost to, Perez, went to a split decision with Andrew Sanchez, who's very highly regarded. And again, it was also his UFC debut, and he was only 6-0 and at the time. He's going up against a more experienced guy in his home country. I'm picking Park here as well. I do think Anthony Hernandez is going to go for takedowns, and that's probably his way to win. Like, he's aggressive with his offense, but I think Park can counter pretty well from the tape that I've seen. Hernandez will go for takedowns, which I think is really concerning, and he's got an excellent guillotine choke, which he's 
uh, I think won four fights by. Jung Sung Park does get taken down in most of his fights, which is very concerning. But he does get up relatively quickly usually, but it's not against Anthony Hernandez competition always. I'm in agreement here with you, Nick, uh, on the underdog on Jung Sung Park, especially in his hometown, or, or, or I'm sorry, in, in, in his part of the world, whereas Hernandez has to fly thousands and thousands of miles in. Uh, we're on the same page on this one, Nick. Next up, we've got Andre Sukumtat versus Sue Madarji. Uh, sorry if I'm messing up that name. Sukumtat's a UFC veteran who's you know been through it all. He's fought some names and, and, and some very respected fighters in the UFC like Sean O'Malley, Alejandro Perez, Albert Morales, Montel Jackson. These are all the guys that he lost to. But he did beat Luke Sanders and Jonathan Martinez. It seems like he loses to the prospects or the respected fighters and beats kind of the newbies that don't necessarily have much business being in there with him. Yeah. And then he's fighting the Tibetan eagle, Sue Maduarji. Maduarji had a UFC debut. I mean, it didn't work out too well for him. He, he came in against the UFC veteran and Louis Smolka, got grounded again and again and again. Wasn't really able to get his stand-up off, but he's really creative, really explosive with his kicks. Really super quick left hands. If I remember correctly, he's a southpaw. So I think this is really a fight of two strategies. Sukum Tad is not known for going for takedowns, which is concerning. Because I think he's going to need takedowns to win this fight. I'm not sure that that his kind of more reserved, more technical style will look good uh, to the judges against the very explosive and, and flashy uh, Madurji. I'm going to hope on the fact that Sukum Tad is going to go for takedowns, which is why I favor him. But if he doesn't and he usually doesn't, then I expect the Tibetan Eagle to be able to pick up his first UFC win. What do you think, Nick? So you're picking you're picking the Tibetan Eagle. I think Andre Sukumtov uh, fuck it. Andre <laughs> is I think he's gonna um I think he's gonna have uh, success on his feet and uh, end up winning a uh, a pick him apart decision. Yeah, but uh, but I did uh, I agree with you on Sukumtad. I did not pick uh, the Tibetan eagle. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. No, but 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 again, I I, I do think that if Sukumtad keeps it standing, he's probably gonna lose the fight, uh, unless he just like yeah. waves in there with big shots and and, and knocks him out. Okay. Um, next up, we've got Kadis Ibragimov going up against Da Un Jung. Ibragimov is a is a decent sized favorite here, even though he's taking this fight. Nick, get this on something like eight days notice. Literally, we were just talking about how some fighters are not flying in in time, and this dude found out eight days ago that he was fighting. However, he's undefeated at 8-0. He's going up against the 11-2 Da Un Jang, Nick, who is also making his UFC debut. Actually, <laughs> in his last many fights, Nick, he was 1-2 in the beginning of his career, and ever since then, he's been undefeated. Ten wins in a row. So, a pretty interesting fight, seemingly between two prospects. Who do you favor in this one? I'm going with Cadiz Ibram uh, Igor. Wow, I am a mess today. <laughs> no, you're not. It's a hard it's name to fucking eye chart of a card, Stan. Stan, <laughs> Stan Zarayev. I got to host this with your consonant filled ass. And then, <laughs> and then I got G's bumping into M's, bumping into V's. I can't handle this shit. Um, <laughs> I think you're handling it fine, the fact that uh, <laughs> I've been kind of smoking you lately. A guy with that name. Just think of it. What? A guy, with, a guy who's kind of smoking me lately? You are? A guy with my name. Well, you have a, you have a, you have a pretty great name, and your, your first name's very solid. Stanislav. Stans can go two ways. Stan, Stanislav is way cooler than Stanley. 
I, I agree with that. I, I've never been a Stanley. I could, I'm a Stannis or a Stanislav. I'm a Stan. Ooh, Stannis. Yeah, all of those are better than Stanley. I it's, agree with you. Yeah. Stanley's a 63-year-old guy who's actually very polite, but gets a little bit grouchy if it gets drafty. Everybody fucks with a Stanley. Nobody fucks with a Stanislav. I've been great about that. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, Nick. Uh, so um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the matchup? My thoughts on the matchup are... Ibrahimov? Yeah. God damn it. Ibrahimov. Ibrahimov. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on the fight. I will take it. Uh, I've also got Ibrahimov. I actually think the odds are Ibrahimov. a little pathetic. Ibrahimov. Kadis Ibrahimov. Yep, if you want to say it with a Russian accent, Nick, it's Ibrahimov. Ibrahimov, and you know that I I am not crazy, Stan. A fighter from Dagestan, I know he's going to smash. It's <laughs> he's going to he's going to tell he's going to tell his opponent why why you why you fight me why you not leave and go home to your family. It's it's interesting that why he's you make me keep smashing you. <laughs> um, he's actually very different from Khabib, Nick. He's like really nice and polite. Khabib's, and... Khabib's nice and polite. Uh, Khabib's very opinionated, and many of his opinions happen res- to infringe on women's rights. And he's gay very, rights. he's very respectful. Well, okay, let's. I don't want to get into his politics. Yeah, f- fair enough. I, I'm just saying that the, Khabib's a very opinionated like guy that has a worldview that isn't always comfortable for everyone. This guy's like the nicest guy ever. He won by disqualification, Nick, because his opponent kept grabbing onto the rope. And in the interview after, he was like, "No, he's a really great fighter, and I'm sure he didn't want to. He didn't want the fight to end this way. He was trying to win the whole time, and I don't think he was trying to grab onto the rope. It just kind of worked out that way. Uh, I don't think it's a legit way to lose. The fight should have kept going. Like, you know, a really, really nice, polite man. Uh, he's actually from Dagestan, Nick, but he trains in St. Petersburg, yeah. yeah, which is interesting right. to think that he very, was linked co- very to cosmopolitan." Yeah, um, so I do favor him as well. Although I think his opponent is pretty solid. Da Unjung, the thing is he gets taken down, but he pops right back up to his feet. He's got really good stand-up. He's a big dude. Uh, both of these guys are in that six foot three range. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Da Unjung six foot three is is notably bigger than uh, than Kadis Ibrahimov's. Ibrahimov yep. is taking this fight on short notice, so I think a lot of the result of this fight will largely hinge on that. Can he keep getting those takedowns and surviving the stand-up? Because Da Unjung will hit him hard. Uh, can he keep doing that in the second or third rounds if he's literally only had about a week to train? Both guys are making their UFC debuts. Uh, and even though Ibrahimov is undefeated, Jung is on a 10-fight winning streak. So, again, plenty of reason to for the odds to be way... He just fought at the end of March. I don't think he's going to be that out of shape. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, end of March, if he hasn't been preparing for a fight, that's about four or five months. If he hasn't been doing anything, but yeah, it sure. depends. There's no reason to assume he hasn't been training, I agree, but there is a big difference between training camp training and just like learning learning technique and going through workouts yeah. and going through sparring. It really is very different, but to be fair, usually means you have way less injuries. So yeah, I, I agree with you about Ibrahimov, even though he probably just flew in as we are speaking right now to China. I wouldn't be surprised if Jung picks up a win here. I may just include Jung as one of my bets. Demir Zmogolov is going up against Thiago Moises. Moises is 1-1 one one in the UFC, losing his UFC debut to the much more heralded Benil Daryush, and then coming back and beating up Kurt Holuba, being the much faster man with a much more varied attack against Kurt Holuba, uh, was able to defend takedowns unlike in his UFC debut, and, and really just out-hustled the guy. He also got takedowns. He really showed a very well-rounded game. Yeah. Trains with the American top team with a record of 12-3. and three. Going up against the favorite here in Demir Ismagulov, who is 2-0 in the UFC. 
his record is 18 and 1 overall, which is pretty damn impressive. However, his UFC wins aren't exactly against high level competition. And I'll bet you don't have a single moment that you remember from his fights. It's not very exciting. Very kind of by the book, very technical, waits for his counter opportunities. And it, actually, he doesn't just wait for his counter opportunities, he sets them up, Nick. He's a brilliant, brilliant at setting up strikes with fakes, with feints, with his couple of previous strikes. He can set up his big opportunities. Very impressive stuff for him. But again, against you know, much lower level of competition, I think, than Tiago Moises is as far as just overall skill, as far as training camp that Tiago Moises is a part of. So I favor Ismagulov in this one, Nick, Me but too. not by a huge margin, man. Both these guys are very fast, but Ismagulov really only throws hands. He'll go for the occasional takedown. I think Tiago Moises has way more weapons. He's at least as fast as Ismagulov, and Tiago I... Moises <laughs> is going to like throw flashy shit that's going to catch the judges' t- attention. I think a lot of this will probably depend on whether Magulov can get takedowns or whether he'll even go for takedowns. I think uh, it's this is, whether uh, Magulov can use his reach and height advantage. Yeah, true. But again, with his four-inch reach advantage. True, but Moises throws kicks and Magulov almost yeah. throws hands. So that kind of that kind of mitigates it a little bit potentially. But that is a fair point. All right. So we got the same the same pick there. How many? What do we got left on this epic card? We've got two more fights, Nick. Uh, uh-huh. Carol Rosa is fighting Lara Procopio. Lara Procopio is undefeated at 6-0. Both girls coming from Brazil. Number 5 and number 11 Brazilian fighters coming into this one. against Why, Carol. why so, did they do this? Why fly two, two Brazilian women all the way to China to fight? I actually think one of them was a late replacement. Rosa might be the late villain. Uh, Rosa has much more experience. She's 11-3, and three, but her losses are to ground fighters and often by submission. And Lara Procopio is exactly that. She's a ground fighter who just puts the pressure on. If she's not on the ground on top of you, trying to submit you or ground and pound you, she is pressing you up against the fence. I believe they're fairly similarly sized. Who do you favor in this one, man? As a pick em. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Lara uh, Procopio. Because, well, they both sound like they could be Italian, even though they're not. Damn it. I'm going to go with Lara Procopio. Yeah, I'll take Rosa just because I think she's overall more well-rounded. But again, she's lost by submission. And Lara Procopio is a submission fighter, so it's definitely concerning. The way that Lara Procopio got her last armbar finish is a very similar way in which Rosa lost her last fight by Kimura. She got caught in an armbar, transitioned to Kimura, and, and, and tapped out to a less experienced fighter. So I definitely have concerns, but, I, uh, but, I just, uh, but I'm picking Rosa here. Next, we've got uh, Batgarel Dana. There's the last fight of the night against Keely Alateng. Kele Alat. You know what? Fuck it. Alat- <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's funny. Like neither one has a bunch of familiar scalps, but uh, Dana has a win over uh, from six years back against Kai Kara France. He does. He also trains with Greg Jackson at this point, I believe. Really? Uh, yeah, from what I from the research that I've done, he either has or is training with Greg Jackson's team. Oh, he's a Mongolian fighter. Um, well, that's good. Maybe he goes to strip clubs with John Jones. Um, I would if I was him. Yeah, I guess I, pro- I, pro- I probably would too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from from Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I love looking up where fighters are from on Google Earth. You look it up on Google Earth? Or Google Maps, and I zoom in. It's the Mongolian capital. It looks beautiful. Very cool. Who do you favor in this one, man? 
Or should I, I go? I favor the guy that beat Guy Car France. Who's that? Dana? Uh, Batar. But but Gerald Dana. Got it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, th- this is one that could <laughs> go either way. Dana is actually a pretty good fighter, but he gets cut pretty easily. And it concerns me that like a couple of guys on his record don't really have a lot of fights or don't have winning records. And to be honest, Haley Ataneng, it's not much different than he he does have a pretty good record in his last 10 fights. I think he's only got one loss. And that was a first round knockout loss, which isn't a good sign. But I think he's overall probably more dynamic and explosive. He has a sick right hand from what I saw. Actually, both guys hit pretty hard with their right hands from what I remember. Uh, but because Dana tends to get cut, it tends to like his face tends to bleed in fights. I guess I'll give it to Ala Tang, even though Dana does train with Greg Jackson's team, uh, whereas Ala Tang trains with some team that I've never heard of. Team Ala Tang. It is named after him, Nick. That is not inspiring at all. But I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with him. I'm going with the Mongolian fighter in this one, Nick. So we've got we've got four points of differentiation, and they're all pick 'em fights, Nick, which I think is great. It literally makes the event kind of a 50-50. And looking forward to see how that plays out because we do agree on just about uh, on, on all of the other ones, all of the ones where um, the, you know the odds suggest that one person favors the other. Let me ask you, Nick. Do you have any bets for this week, or is it just me? No, frankly, there's just no. Zaleski Dos Santos is too much of a favorite for me to parlay him with Andrade. It's just no. I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain this week. We're gonna take a break, come back, and give you my betting suggestions for this UFC fight night. I see some opportunities to make money here. Ten out of the last eleven events we've had success in, and a fifty-five percent ROI on the last event. So excited to get to the next segment, Nick. We'll be right back. So tell us, the grambling, gambling man, what do you got? What do you got plans to increase your bank? Nikolai, it's been going well, and I'm going to keep it on going. See, the thing about these cards is that a lot of people overlook them. I just feel like the odds makers aren't paying as much attention, and so occasionally there's more opportunity. Now, I think this is one where there might be some opportunity because I think a lot, a couple of these odds are a little bit off kilter. I do have some parlays suggestions. I have a, a few straight bet suggestions. And then a couple of value bets as well. Let's start with the straight bets. At minus 110, I recommend putting $33 down on Derek Krantz to win $30. Huh. I, just, I just feel like his five-round experience and the fact that he's got a fairly well-rounded game, the fact that he took Vincente Luque's back, it bodes well. If, if you're going to have him in a pick-em fight in his next bout, I'm, I'm open to it. Next, uh, in a way, at minus 135, this is one of the fights where you and I differed. I recommend putting 40 bucks down on her. I know she's a smaller fighter, and I know that she's facing someone who just got a first-round finish in her last UFC bout, and she's making her UFC debut on short notice. But I just think she's overall really skilled. She's got a shitload of high-level experience in Invicta, and I'm giving her the edge to, to maybe be able to get some takedowns and, and score some big points to a decision win. $40 on her at minus 135 to win $30. Next up, I recommend Ismagulov at minus 180, 30 bucks on him to win 17. It's not a great number for a straight bet, but uh, again, I'll, I'll risk 30 bucks for a potential of $17 in profits. Carol Rosa at minus 110. I'm not a huge believer on her, but I'll put 11 bucks on her to win 10. 
I figure, you know, it's not the worst worst thing in the world if that one doesn't pan out, but it's a pick and fight, and I, I think she should have a little bit of an edge. Jun Young Park at plus 160. I recommend $38 on him. He's the underdog here against, I think, uh, Hernandez, and I'm not sure why, to be honest. $38 on him will net you 61 bucks in profits, Nick, so I like the sound of that a lot. Next up... For the value bets, I, I recommend putting some money down on Da Eun-jung, who's fighting Ibrahimov. I, I just feel like Ibrahimov's taking a fight on really short notice. And at plus 245, $10 will net you $24.50. I'd say that is worth a little bit of a gamble there. Also on Zhenong uh, Lu at plus 450, I just feel like they have similar styles and he could pull off a decision here. I recommend putting $7 down on him to win $31.50. Nick. Finally, I've got a couple of parlays. Jessica Andrade and Zaleski Dos Santos, combined odds of plus 107. I recommend putting $50 down on them to win 54. And Kai Car France, along with Andre Sukumtat, combined odds, Nick, are plus 124. 65 bucks to win 81, Nick. Those are my bet totals. Hoping to have another successful week to keep adding to that bank, Nick. Looking good, man. Did you have a chance, Nick, to listen to that Conor McGregor interview with Ariel Hawani? Uh, I read the I read the highlights. Whatever. I mean, every time he it's not the first time we've heard it. I'm sure it's not the last time. You're you're right. I'm just wondering, like, what is going on? He's clearly kind of going off the hill a little bit. That John Jones self sabotage style of uh, of being a UFC star. Like, what the fuck explains that? I you know he's probably on on some yayo and he like uh some guy like he was getting you know he was trying to do a promotional moment for his for his whiskey and some guy decided to be a, a troll and said something and mcgregor smacked him mcgregor's completely wrong but uh yeah, no joke. he's you know he's kind of a he's he's kind of a thug he's a, he's an act first think later kind of guy um so i mean no real surprise i do think uh I know that we've t- they've talked about McGreg- uh, uh, Edgar going to 135, but I feel like if you're Conor McGregor and you want a, a very winnable get-right fight, um, I feel like fighting the smaller uh, Frankie Edgar, is pr- even though Frankie is my favorite fighter ever, is probably the safest move for Conor to get back in there. I agree that it's a good style matchup, but man, Frankie will look really, really, really tiny in front of him. And how odd would it be for Conor McGregor to fight Frankie Edgar, who just said he's dropping to 135 at 155 pounds? Uh, oh, that's right, because he's not going to fight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, that would be at 145. If, if Conor's going to stay at 155, which he probably should. Um, I mean, I'd love to see that fight with him and Gagey, but they booked Gagey as somebody else, right? I don't think Conor would choose to fight Gagey. I think he's going to want a fight that has less risk, like a Nate Diaz. Uh, I think he would be happy to fight him at 155 for sure. George Masvidal, it's certainly possible. Like I think that's that. It's it's that. There's almost like a different division now in the UFC, specifically when it comes to former 155 pound fighters who are now at 170. Where like you get you guys get to just fight each other and you can avoid Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington and those guys. That's kind of what's happening in a couple of these divisions. Vitor Belfort was trying to get that going for himself at one point at 185. Um, to just fight guys that's, that are convenient to fight, that they think are good style matchups, so make for exciting fights. I think there's a market for it, and I think he's going to try to fight Nate Diaz next. 
if he's smart and he wants to get back in there soon, that's the fight to make. Diaz coming off a win now because, again, prior to that, his last two fights were against McGregor, and he was 1-1. One and one, So he needs to kind of yeah, win the fight between I mean, in my, in my mind, he was 2-0, and oh, but whatever. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it, it was it was a close one. But again, I, I rewatched the early part of that Diaz-McGregor fight, Nick, and, I mean, McGregor knocked him down like two or three times in the first two rounds. Yeah, I, mean, I believe he came back and won the knockdowns. If if I'm not mistaken, I believe he came back and won the fifth round, which which to me just like no, Diaz won the fifth round. Uh, did because I remember Connor had a comeback round. Either the, the fourth, fourth round, the fourth round was his comeback round. He lost. So he, he lost. The, the, he lost the fifth, and he really lost a ten eight in the uh, the third. In the third, yeah, the third only one judge scored the third a ten eight, and the I thought the third was very much a ten eight round. I thought it was very close to being stopped. So you're saying that when I stopped watching after the second round because it was late, I should have kept. I feel watching. like the two. I feel like McGregor won two ten nine rounds. I there wasn't like those knockdown. Nate Diaz going down in those in those rounds wasn't like Gray Maynard hitting Frankie. It was no, like it doesn't have to be. You're still going down from a clean right hand. You're you're falling onto your butt three four times in two rounds. Like. You, you, like that's not a strategy, right? That's not going to win you a fight. That's not going to make judges go. You know what? No, I know. I agree, but I just think they were. I just think they were ten nine rounds. Yeah, uh, may, yeah, may, maybe. And 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 I would like to see that third round. But again, if Connor had the first two rounds and the fourth round, a ten eight round doesn't give him ideas a win. It gives him a draw rounds. Yeah, that, that that might give him a draw if that's the case. Uh, and I would be interested in rewatching. But you're right. Look. The second fight was super close. I mean, the, the facts are facts. From what I understand, Nate Diaz was injured going into that fight. At least that's what he said afterward. And he legitimately looked out of shape. He looked just as out of shape as he did for the first McGregor fight. And he took that one on like six days notice. So I, I do think that an in-shape Nate Diaz, especially now coming off of this win, uh, with Connor coming off of negative momentum in his last few fights, I think Nate Diaz might just do his thing. I, would, I just want to see it at 170. I have no interest in seeing it at 155. Yeah, I think if it's at 170, it's it's uh, an advantage for Diaz. At 155, I think a little bit more of an advantage to McGregor, who, you know, if, yeah. if he can Diaz cut cut the extra, what is it, 15 pounds? Like, I think that could make a huge if difference. If they did two at 170, they should close it out at 170. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'd be I'd be happy to see. <coughs> Excuse either. me. Anyway, so I'll after this, we've got a big uh, the the card after this is um, Khabib Khabib Poirier, right? Yeah, that's a big one, dude. UFC 242, that's going to be a good goddamn card, Nick. Yeah, we got Felder, uh, Felder Barbosa, too. That's a decent fight. Islam Marcus Ramos, uh, that's a good damn Curtis fight. Blades. Shamil Abdurahimov, that's a pretty good fight. Uh, Taisumo versus Ferreira, that's another Ooh. solid fight. I mean, these Cal- are not... Calderwood versus Andrea Lee is really fun. Agreed. Yeah, it's not a name-heavy card. I think it's a, it's a great card for more of the hardcores um a lot of meat on the bone but no no major names on this one especially coming off of ufc 241 outside of khabib uh there isn't really any any mainstream i mean no but we know that barbosa felder's not going to be boring 100 percent, yes i agree i and and again the, the card overall looks solid it's just not nearly the same name value as ufc 241 but we are getting this card kind of sandwiched in between there that really is lacking in name value. So by comparison to that, UFC 242 looks pretty fucking golden, Nick. Looking forward to that one, man. Looking forward to breaking it down. It'll be a lot more fight, a lot more fun to watch tape on some of these fights than it was, I think, for this one, for me at least. 
so that will be fun. And Nick, I'm looking forward to having a six event edge over you. Maybe, maybe at some point, Nick, if I get to a certain lead, and I wouldn't be surprised if you take it back from me on this event. But if I get to a certain lead, Nick, maybe we'll switch up our our format somehow. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it more in the future. I'm not. I don't want any um, mercy rule from you. It, it wouldn't be a mercy rule. It wouldn't be with you like starting with two points extra. It would be just just like something we'd have to re-strategize for and have a different kind of approach to uh, that maybe uh, that that we'd have to kind of both get our footing uh, in from the start. But again, we'll 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 figure it out as we go. Uh, I'm gonna keep on success and motherfucker. All I do is win, Nikolai. All right, I'm gonna uh, figure out a way to kick you in the knee in the way that makes it hyperextend. I'm going to do it uh, from here so you won't see it coming. I look forward to you figuring out a way to do that. <laughs> that will take a certain, le- uh, like a high level of martial arts in order to land it on me, but also it, it would take like some superpowers because you need to somehow be there and have your leg be here for that moment. Yeah, I've seen The Last Jedi enough. I picked up a few tricks. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later, man. Good episode.